Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year Major League career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Dirty Kurt's Dugout, episode 14. A 14 under our belt. And I wish I could tell you that I was down at Petco watching the guys taking BP, but now we all know that's not happening. Uh, not only at Petco, but any ballpark uh, throughout the United States. Before we get into why that's not happening, I want to send out a huge thanks to my title sponsor, uh, Hacienda Casablanca, out in El Cajon, California. 700 North Johnson for the greatest hospitality and Mexican food. Join us out at Hacienda Casablanca out there where Tony and Cindy will certainly take care of you. And my good friends at Lacima Oil Company, your neighborhood, Chevron and Texaco stations. And you need to be applauding them also because one of you is going to win a $100 gas card. I can't tell you how many times I started to use this. Got a Chevron station right down, right down the street. I went, ah, the heck with it. I think I'll use it. Nah, I can't do that. It's going to one of you. And it's on, did you see or hear that segment of the show? So you have to listen closely for not just this episode, but a few in a row. Because Engineer Joe is going to pick out something that we talked about on one of the episodes one of the last couple of episodes, we're not going to go back to the first one, but just the last couple. And the first one that writes in uh, that notifies us is going to win that gas card and be our first grand prize winner. How you like that? Hey, we want you to be a part of this action. So, by doing that, I was reaching to get get out of the way here so I could uh, see your comments and see the people that come in to the show uh, because you're as much a part of this as I am. You're very important. And uh, if you would just like us on YouTube or like us on Facebook, it really helps with the uh, with the numbers and the games that we play here with streaming uh, a show like this. So uh, every chance you get, uh, do that for me. I appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll be coming at you every week uh, from now until uh, I don't know when. Don't know. Hopefully. Well, we're going we're gonna to be coming to you whether there's baseball or not. So I want you to know that. We're going to keep you informed. We're going to let you know what's going on. And right now, in case you've been in the Christmas and Thanksgiving, and had to have a chance to do anything else. Baseball's locked down. 
lockdown through the choice of the commissioner's office and the MLB owners. The collective bargaining agreement expired at midnight on December 1st. They did not have a deal. Surprise. Been saying that for months and months and months that it wasn't going to happen if they didn't get their butts in gear. And despite the commissioner's stated interest in getting a deal done on time, the proposals didn't come in at any type of fast pace at all. I mean, just to give you uh, some type of a, a ladder as to what's been going on. Um, the players made their first round of core economic proposals in April and May. Well, MLB responded in August. April, May. So they wait three months to respond at all. And I'm pointing that out because September, October, November, and that's it. So they wait three months and there's only three months left to put an agreement together. It's very complex. There's a lot of things that these guys both want to do. So MLB responds with the core economic proposal of their own and the players in late October got back to them. So in other words, the next month. Because it wasn't until early September that the players got to sit down or the Players Association got to sit down and read what the owners had come back with. So MLB has since made a revised proposal on one area of the core issues, the reserve system. The most complex, the most talked about part of the whole system itself, the whole collective bargaining agreement, in which it proposes, this is a stickler, folks, wins above replacement. Do you know war? You ever heard the expression war on MLB network or that's what they're talking about using to determine a player's salary instead of arbitration. It's not going to happen. It's not going to, or you know what? Maybe it is. And if it is, uh, Barry Bloom, the guy that we've got on the show today, senior writer for Sportico.com. Before that, he wrote for Forbes.com. Uh, uh, he's covered baseball on and off the field uh, for MLB.com since uh, from 2002 to 2018. I started to say since. Uh, before that, he worked for Bloomberg News and the San Diego Union Tribune, which is where we cross paths. And he's been a voter for the National Baseball Hall of Fame since 1992. Barry Bloom is going to be our guest. And as soon as he uh, figures out how to use the technology, then we're going to have him on because I can't wait. I really can't wait to talk to him because if there's one guy that has been in and around the sport for as many years as Barry has, that knows exactly 
what's going on or can assume pretty damn close to what's going on because that's all everybody's doing right now. Trust me. The, the Buster Olneys, the Ken Rosenthal's, uh, the Bob Nightingale's, all of the top journalists around the United States are assuming things. There are a couple of guys that have some good ends. And one of them is Ken Rosenthal. I mean, he works for MLB Network. So he works for MLB. You know, when you leave uh, a job and you go to work, and he also runs The Athletic. We've all heard about The Athletic. It's taking the place of a lot of newspapers for sports fans by just subscribing to The Athletic. Um, Ken, but Ken Rosenthal, when you have that in with baseball, you've got that in with the commissioner's office. So you can make a phone call and you can get some information that the normal journalist wouldn't be able to access. But because a Ken works for MLB, he's able to to get some stuff and he'll never come out and say it came from there. He, he's going to write it to where he's assuming it. He's not assuming it. I will say one thing though. There were a lot of these guys that came out with Max Scherzer coming to San Diego right before the trading deadline last year. Guys like Ken Rosenthal. Guys with the power of being able to pick up the phone and make a phone call and get a pretty good idea of whether or not the Padres were going to acquire Max Scherzer. And it came out hours before the knife in the belly of a lot of Padre fans, certainly A.J. Preller, because I think he had made some deals leading up to that Max Scherzer deal that he thought was probably in the bag, just like all the writers did. Something happened. And we'll probably never know for sure. But the Dodgers stepped in, naturally, like we all know now and got Scherzer and Trey Turner and went on to a deep run in the playoffs, in the postseason. So good for them. But in the meantime, Max Scherzer is one of the guys on the executive committee right now of this collective bargaining agreement. He's one of the guys that signed a huge, unbelievable contract at 37, almost 38 years old, signed a $120 million contract with the possibility for $10 million more, $43.3 million a year, Max Scherzer signed for. Guaranteed money. And then Corey Seager signs and goes to the Texas Rangers for $300 million. 
I'm throwing out these numbers because I'm going to get to that in a minute because it has a lot to do with all the misnomers uh, that we all see and read and hear about and the assumptions that we make and the facts that some things that are put out there are skewed a little, not intentionally by the person that might write them, but they're just skewed. You know, if I'll give you an example, I, I, I don't have any of these numbers written down. So if I make a mistake, bear with me. Let's say you have four guys and the total salary that they make is $16 million. Well, what is the average of those four guys? It's $4 million, which just happens to be what the average salary, the printed average salary is $4.17 million now in Major League Baseball. So you have these four players that make a total of $16 million. That averages to $4 million a player. But if you've got one guy, it's not going to be one. Let's say you got one guy making $14.5 million and the other three making $500,000. That's $16 million. But yet the average is $4 million. That's the way they figure it. So I don't need to tell you that Corey Seager's $300 million contract makes up for a lot of guys who are making the minimum minimum salary right now. And the minimum salary, trust me, is not bad. It's not bad at all. It's about $555,000, $560,000. A lot more than a lot of you and a lot of me and a lot of guys that I played against never made, never will make. I hope most of you go out there and make it, but just the same. I see your point where you look at that And you go, you know, it's millionaires versus billionaires. Well, not all of the club owners are billionaires. But a lot bigger percentage of club owners are billionaires than the percentage of major major league players that are millionaires. I think at 20 or so out of the 30 major league owners are billionaires. Their franchises are worth, again, going to the average, 1.9 billion. But that's a lot closer 
than the example that I gave you about the player salaries. So I'm looking at my notes now because I'm waiting for Barry Bloom to join us. Uh, he's over in Arizona, uh, probably trying to stick his nose in the Arizona Diamondbacks or uh, Colorado Rockies uh, doors to try to find out what's going on. Uh, they both spring train over there close to where Barry lives. And I recently saw an article where there were 1,955 players last year that signed major league contracts. When you go and play for a major league club, you sign a major league contract. Now, in that contract is going to be the stipulations of what happens if you're sent to the minor leagues. I point that out because it's it's very important. So 1,955 players. Sign major league contracts. 1,200 plus, and I don't know the exact number, 1,251, something like that, made less than a million dollars. 300 of those, 1,900, made less than $600,000. And another 300 made less than 100,000. I know you're saying, how's that right, Kurt? You know, the major league minimum is $550,000. I'll get to that in a minute. That only leaves a hundred and so players that make over a million dollars. I'm pointing this out because if I don't, the players association is not going to point it out. And you know what? They should be, they should have every available player out promoting any union activity that's in their given cities, any union parades, stances that are going on, the Major League Baseball Players Association ought to be standing next to those people because we have, I say we very loosely, the Major League Baseball Players Association has what was once and hopefully going in the future, one of the strongest unions in the nation. And it was made that way by Marvin Miller and Don Fear. Continued on with Mike Weiner, and now Tony Clark's at the helm. Those numbers are crazy if you think about it because going back to the $4.17 million average, our thought process as human beings, and it's only natural, is that 
Trent Grisham's making $4.5 million a year. Jake Cronenworth's making $4.5 million a year. Campuzano's making $4.5 million a year. That's not the way it is, folks. And something I said I'd get back to the hundreds of players that are making less than 100K. Think about this are all of the players that were shuttled. You've got them in your town. We certainly have them here in San Diego. Guys that came up from the roster and got sent back to the minor leagues for a period of time. Well, guess what? When those guys go to the minor leagues, that's where the stipulation happens. The stipulations that are in the major league contract that he signed that called for him to be paid $15,000 a year if he plays at the AAA level or below. Or they usually call for a player to have a AAA contract or a AA contract, and it calls for a certain amount of money. If he goes up to the big leagues, the collective bargaining agreement, which is what they're talking about now, it automatically kicks in that the player is going to make the minimum amount. And that minimum amount right now is 550 to 560 grand. Only while the player's on a major league roster, though. So, getting back to the player that was sent up and down. If he spends half the year on a major league roster, then that $550,000 contract is worth $275,000. Which still isn't work, wor- uh, worth a quick kick in the pants. I mean, that's pretty nice. But then the player goes down to the AAA level and he's playing and going out and sweating and doing the same things he's doing at the major league level for about 15 grand. I'm not really sure what the minor league average is, but if it's higher than $15,000, I'd be surprised. There's talk about MLB paying for room and board for minor league players, or in other words, they're going to put them up. I'm anxious to see this happen. I'm curious to see how it's going to be implemented and done. Uh, You know, most players are grown men, or at least it was the one when I was playing in the minor leagues, you know, now it's a little different. Um, there's a lot of minor league players that are still boys. And you know what? That's what MLB wants. 
they want those young players from the Caribbean nations playing in minor league baseball that they can sign 16, 17 years old and bring them to the United States where there's no rules, there's no cutoff. It's very unfair. It's unfair to, to the players that have that are going to high school, that are going to college, and that have an education that they need to take care of first. And I'm not saying that the kids from the Dominican, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela don't have that education to take care of first, but they're more apt to leave those nations earlier in life than players that are from the United States, whether they're African-American, white, Korean, it doesn't matter, a U.S. citizen. And naturally, Puerto Rico is a U.S. Uh, commonwealth. So they're U.S. citizens in Puerto Rico. You see most of the really younger kids that are signed at 16, 17 years old coming from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. Some from Nicaragua. Uh, every once in a while, you see one from uh, Curacao. Um, and that now may, the MLB is starting to dip into, um, you know, the baseball over in Asia, the Asian countries, Korean League, uh, and, and naturally the Japanese League with, uh, with Shohei Otani, where he came from. So, you know, baseball going forward is going to be interesting. Um, these two guys, and I say two guys, um, I'm talking about Rob Manfred and Tony Clark are the two heads of the negotiating teams that are putting this new collective bargaining agreement together. This new collective bargaining agreement is going to go out to 2026. So it's for a pretty good amount of time. And let's not forget, not counting what happened with COVID. There has not been a shutdown in baseball since the 94-95 season. You know, that's a long time with labor peace. It's a long time. But I got to tell you something. You could have seen the writing on the wall for this one. I think the reason they got together and were able to put together the collective bargaining agreement back in 2016 was because Rob Manfred was so good at what he does in being able to go in and dissect and take away without the other side really knowing what happened. And he went in and did it. But you got to remember, the last one was 2011. So the one that Manfred and Clark really got together on and put together was in 2016. And they came out with all this braggadocious stuff about how every major league alumni player got a raise in his pension. Well, you know what? That was a bunch of crap, literally. 
It was false advertising. But they portrayed it to the media like every player got a 25% increase in his pension. It's just not true. Absolutely not true. As a matter of fact, guys that are in my class, class eight, haven't gotten a raise in their pension for the last two CBAs, which goes through 10 years. Now, do we get a raise or do we get something taken away on a yearly basis because of the fund that we invest our money in? The answer to that is yes. As a matter of fact, the raise this year was quite nice. It was about $350 a month. And when you're used to seeing your check come in for 48, 49, or 38, 39, or 28, or 29, or 58, or 59, and then all of a sudden it jumps to the next number, that's nice. The reason it did. was because of the investments. You don't have to be a a physicist to look at Jim Cramer on TV in the morning and see the stock market at 30,000 points. And knowing that, hey, if we put our money into the the stock market when it was 15,000, it's going to be probably doing pretty good. Well, There are people on committees that are assigned by the Major League Baseball Players Association to take care of this money. It's 3.30 already. I don't know where Barry Bloom is, but he was scheduled to be on here at 3.05. <laughs> and he's causing me to ramble to you people. I apologize but at least you're learning something because there's a lot of misnomers out there that have to be straightened out. And the Major League Baseball Players Association has such an excellent opportunity right now to be doing exactly what I'm doing. The players have a voice. They have a voice. They could go with a set script and call any one of the local TV stations in town and be on the air that night or the next morning. Why the Players Association is not taking advantage of that I'll never know. Because we all know about the court of public opinion. And with social media nowadays, you know what people, I mean, you put something out there. If you put the definition of a word out there on social media, you're going to get people that are going to disagree with that definition from Webster's Dictionary. 
they're going to disagree with it no matter what. So naturally, if you put information out there, you're going to have two groups of people. Ones that speak out, ones that are a little quieter, but they believe one thing and the other group believes the other thing. You know, who's on the side of the owners? Who's on the side of the players? That not asking you to take sides. Just trying to give everybody the proper information so that they can decide what to do. I'm going to say this right now. This is a good one. If there are games missed this year because of this collective bargaining agreement, I would say to all of you, and I know I've got fans and I've got people that watch this show, not only in the United States, but around the world. Now, if you're around the world, there's nothing you can do with it unless you're making plans on coming to a Major League Baseball game next year. With social media as powerful as it is today, I say that there's a front to be followed where nobody goes to the games for a period of time. I don't know what that period is. Let's say three days. You're going to hitch up your britches. You're going to grab your wife, significant other, girlfriend, kids, and do something else. And you're going to ignore baseball. The fans have spoken. That's the only way you're going to be heard. You're not going to be heard by writing a Facebook post to Tony Clark or to Rob Manfred. They'll see it and kick it to the curb. The same way they do the 650 guys that are out there with no pensions, the lost boys of summer that were left behind by mistake during the collective bargaining agreement in 1980, 1981, when the owners came out and said, we'll redo this whole thing. And you only have to have 41 days of service to be vested. Well, the players association naturally jumped all over that, but they forgot about the guys that played up until that time. So at one time, there were over 1,200 of these players, quite a few that I played with that did not have quite the four years service time needed to qualify for a pension. You don't need four years now. If you played in a game, After the 1980 season started, so in other words, August, let's say August 3rd, 1980, 
If you were on a major league roster any day after that, and up until that time, you had two and a half years of major league service, and you were on the roster for one day and got sent to the minor leagues and never appeared in another major league game, you were still fully vested, or you are fully vested now as a member of the Major League Baseball Players Benefit Plan. But any player that did not play in a game after the 1980 season began, that did not have four years. And like I said, there was 1,250 of them or so. Guys that I played with that you might know. Dick Bainey played for the Cincinnati Reds back in the day. Uh, Gene Locklear played here in San Diego, played for the Yankees. Full-blooded American Indian, Gene Locklear. 28 days shy of being fully vested. Or in other words, having a full pension. But because he didn't play a game after the 1980 season began, when that deal was made by Marvin Miller and Don Fair, they didn't make it retroactive for these guys. So the Gene Locklears, the Dick Bainies, the Pat Darcy, you remember Pat Darcy pitched for the 1975 Cincinnati Reds, world champion, 1975 Cincinnati Reds. And there's a lot of other ones. that, you know, I could sit and run down the list. But the important thing here is that the CBA is the time for these guys to be heard. There's one problem. They're never heard. Oh, they might make you think you're being heard. Take Pat LaHood back in the Northeast. Her husband played for the Boston Red Sox, was a popular player for the Boston Red Sox when I first came up into the big leagues. Joe LaHood. MLB and the Players Association had Pat thinking that they were listening to her until recently, I think, that she's finally realized that any of her pleads are going on deaf ears. And her pleads have been that 
these players be taken care of. You know what? Bud Selig threw him a bone because it was good PR. So they came up with this strategy to pay these guys up to $10,000 a year. Ten thousand bucks, and the way they figured this is for every quarter of a season, which is forty-three days, be worth six hundred and fifty dollars. I don't know how they came upon this figure, but you got to remember this money came directly from the owners. So this money's in a fund somewhere that the owners have that they can put out fires with. It's the same thing with the checks that they wrote to the Negro League players. Putting out a fire. This is our money we're going to use. It's unspoken, naturally. This is the money we're going to use to keep people quiet when they're making a stink. And... That'll satisfy him. So they came up with this idea and, and, and put it through, which it's something. It is something. But it's far from what it should be, and I'll explain why. You think $10,000 a year for a guy that has four years of major league, or not quite four years of major league service. Nowadays, if a player has four years of major league service, when he is able to qualify for the pension at age 62. It's much more than $10,000 a year. Not only that, but here's the important part. I don't know what the numbers are here. But I'm going to say that a guy that's 62 years of age or older and Uh, is retired, has a woman by his side that he's been married to for quite a few years. And this goes back to, I don't know what the numbers are. But they're are guys that I've seen that fall into this category that we're talking about of the 1,250, which is down to about 600 now uh, in the last few years because they're dying off. The spouses that they've possibly spent their life with 
the Patty Hiltons of the world married to Dave for 40 some years and found him one day on his way to a hitting lesson slumped over his steering wheel out in the front driveway because he never made it. Dave was collecting one of these throw him a bone checks for a couple of years and Dave passed away. You know how much of that 10,000 that Patty gets? Zero. Because Dave wasn't a vested benefit plan member. He was one of the lost boys. So there's been an internal fight going on for these guys for quite a few years. And others. How can we help former players? There are a lot of good organizations out there that do a heck of a job. The BAT program, uh, which is based right out of MLB's offices in New York now, uh, is a great program that was uh, put together along with the help of guys like Joe Graziola and Joe Morgan, uh, personal friends of mine that I know did one heck of a job putting this organization together. And they um, are naturally gone now. Bat's still here. But these are the kind of things that people that are within the union now When the collective bargaining agreement comes around, like today, they're not even talking about these guys. I'm telling you, God can strike me dead. I guarantee you there hasn't been a word said about any of this in this basic agreement negotiation. There's just no way. They've got too many other irons in the fire for them to be talking about 600 players who, for use of better terminology, they can't wait until they go. Because as they fall away, it's one more little piece that they don't have to worry about anymore. They should have taken care of this a couple of years ago when they damn well had plenty of money to do it. And although they did do a little something, what about the Patty Hiltons of the world? And the spouses of the rest of the players that passed away that are not only cut off, but they're asked to send money back if a check was sent, happened to be sent at the time that this player passed away. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the audacity to do that. But it's been done. Well, I've been told that Barry Bloom is here. 
So my buddy Barry's here. Is Barry here? There you are. Oh, Barry, you're out and about, huh? Hey, I can barely hear you. Well, considering you are, you look like you're on a uh, golf cart or a motor scooter. <laughs> I'm walking. Why don't we just, uh, why don't we just do this next week? Because I've got so many questions to ask you and to talk about uh, what's going on with the collective bargaining agreement. Where do you think they stand? Uh, just about everything that's associated with it. So I'd really rather you be in a place where you can hear me well and, and we can talk. Is that all right? It's fine. I'm, I'm peeling off to the side here and, you know, we could do a little bit of it now. Well, what happened to 305? And I'm not talking about the area code from Miami. Yeah, my fault. I apologize. <laughs> there were some family issues and I had to deal with and it just went by the board. Okay. Then I tell you what. Um, let me just throw one thing at you. What do you think's going on? Uh, with the CBA you, you, right now, everything's quiet. Nobody knows anything. I mean, are the sides even talking at all about anything? What's going on? Yeah, I think it's in a lull. I think they will get back to the economic issues in January. And uh, it's a uh, it's an it's an issue now whether the owners are going to blink or the players going to blink as you get closer to spring training. You know, you've been through that before. Oh, absolutely. That's why I I just I, I can't understand why the two sides don't try to sit down earlier in the year instead of waiting until the end. But um, well, let's put it this way: the players made a comprehensive economic proposal to the owners in April. The owners really didn't respond until August. And then there really wasn't any talk back and forth between the two sides until they went down to Texas during the players executive council meeting right before the deadline. So it's not like there's been a whole lot of movement here all year. Well, I tell you what, uh, that was kind of, uh, what I thought that, uh, that you were going to say. So let's give them another week or two and we'll have you back on where you're sitting down at a desk like I am right now, instead of out enjoying yourself where you are. Okay. Whatever you'd like to do. Happy holiday. And same to you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Barry. All right. Bye-bye. You got it. Barry Bloom. Well, um, at least we found out what I told you earlier in the broadcast uh, was true. Uh, because that guy right there, hey, Alan, put up our picture. And I say our picture because I shared, <laughs> I shared this uh, on social media today. Um, I want you to look really, really close at Tony Clark, who's on the right, the ball black guy, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, who's on the left in the forefront of the picture. Just look at their faces. 
Are you kidding me? I mean, these are people. This is at the World Series. So this is, and I'm not talking about early October. This is late October. So they have November and December to come together. Of which the commissioner said that he was very interested in getting a deal done on time. These guys right here, they hate one another. Look at the looks on their face. And you know who's right in the middle right there? Well, you probably recognize him from him just being on the show. That's Barry Bloom. Barry is always in the right place at the right time. I didn't even get an opportunity to ask him about this picture because I promise you that he's seen it before and that he has had people talk to him and ask him about what led up to this conversation, this confrontation, if you want to call it that, because it really does look like one to me. It truly looks like a confrontation to me. And if these two guys are the leaders of the two sides that are negotiating for a collective bargaining agreement between the Major League Baseball Players owners and the Major League Baseball Players Association, we've got big problems. We have big problems. We're going to have Barry Bloom back on this show. Um, As he said, he had some family issues. I knew something was wrong because it wasn't like Barry not to call in, but um, I rambled on and time went by and what the heck. We're ready to say goodbye anyway. Uh, Next week, and I'm going to try to figure out how to do this, but next week we're going to have another uh, esteemed uh, journalist from Major League Baseball, Kevin Kernan. Uh, join us. He works for uh, ball9.com. He's been around Major League Baseball since 1979. He was here in San Diego. He's now on the East Coast. Um, He has some very interesting perspectives on the game today. And I can't wait to talk to him about it. And I can't wait for you guys to hear what he has to say. Uh, Again, my appreciation goes out to Hacienda Casablanca over in El Cajon on on North Johnson. It's 700 to be exact, North Johnson. Um, If if you're going to uh, have a great meal, you got to go see Tony and Cindy. And uh, they're gonna they're gonna provide it for you. Uh, don't forget our did you see or hear that segment? Uh, we're gonna give away this gift card next week. So what we've talked about on this show, what we've talked about the last show or possibly at the beginning of the next show, somebody's going to win that Chevron with Tektron gift card. 
brought to you by our friends down at Lasima Oil Company. Uh, so I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank uh, producer Joe and our technical advisor, Alan, uh, who gets us going every week. Um, I want to interact more with you guys. So that's the reasoning for doing the show live. Puts more pressure on me. But I like that. And I also like interacting with the people that are watching. So, you know, for the shows going forward, get your questions answered. Get your questions ready. And throw them at us. Because we want to be able to provide you with good content. We want to be able to provide you with answers to all your questions. And we want to make you as knowledgeable as we possibly can. Hopefully, I did a lot of that today. Um, I know I might have messed with people's minds when it came to uh, the average salaries and all of that stuff. I'll go over that again next week before Kevin comes on, uh, or maybe after Kevin is on, and uh, and we'll continue to have great time. So uh, I want to wish uh, everybody a uh, a Merry Christmas. We're going to have Kevin on on the 30th, I told him. So, oh, that's right. We're going to we're not going to have a show next week because Christmas Eve. So, the weekend the week after that is going to be our next show, which is going to be Thursday the 30th. And then we'll have Barry Bloom back on the week after that to talk about what's going on with the collective bargaining agreement and where it stands. And we'll pick up all the little bits and pieces leading up until that time. So thanks for watching Dirty Kurtz Dugout. I'm Kurt Pavakwa. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching. And like I said, like it. Send it on to your friends. Let them know what we're all about. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next time, folks. Merry Christmas. <laughs>